Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And welcome to uh, yet another Lynn Cullen Live, or still alive. And it is uh, March 21. It's spring. And it looks like spring, and it feels like spring. And uh, for many, there's a spring in their step. And uh, I've been reading stories about how old farts are out celebrating going to restaurants, having parties, because they're fully vaccinated. Um, And I can't imagine how sort of annoyed that might make people who don't have the, uh, well, the... uh, there's the word. It could be a number of words I'm looking for that don't have the good fortune uh, to be an old fart. You know, often age uh, doesn't give you much <laughs> to crow about, but it has in the instance of uh, this horror, this pandemic, and uh, the availability of vaccines certainly uh, given old folks uh, the ability to get to the head of the line. And those who are not at the head of the line uh, can be understandably, um, I would think, annoyed or envious or I don't know. And, And if those people are having bad feelings toward their elders. I don't blame them. (laughs) Really, I don't. I don't. I so want everybody to feel the lessening of anxiety that comes uh, with having had the vaccine. On the other hand, the anxiety isn't lessened for all of those that you care about that still don't have it. So until everybody gets it, the anxiety level will remain high and should. The thing is, since day one, there hasn't been a lot of certainly uniformity, but also a lot of sort of sense about how we've gone about dealing with not just the pandemic, but then the miracle of the vaccine being uh, being invented, created um, in an extraordinary uh, time frame. Uh, but I am starting to read, and I'm sure many of you are, that if we bother to look beyond our own noses, beyond our own good fortune, perhaps, if we have the vaccine, beyond our own families, beyond our own country, then you sober up real fast. Because there are literally billions of human beings many of them old, 
who are waiting and don't even have a glimmer of a hope of a vaccine. And they are waiting in large part by a virtue of an accident of birth. They were born on the wrong continent. Shame on them. They were born in Africa. They were born in South America. Billions left behind. Probably not going to be getting the vaccine until as late as 2023. And the drug companies who make the vaccines are turning away all kinds of offers of help from those countries who could ramp help up, ramp up production. I read a story this weekend about the head of a pharmaceutical company in Bangladesh, one of the poorer countries of the world. And he has a facility that has the capacity to fill 600 to 800 million doses of coronavirus a year. And he has written and emailed and begged and called the heads of Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and all the others and said, please let us help. He has never gotten any word back from them. The drug companies who developed the vaccines have sold almost all of their first doses to rich countries. Well, ain't that the way it is? The rich are always first in line and you live in a rich country. So you have the benefit of that privilege. So the United States and European countries and a few other wealthy nations have had access And the drug companies <laughs> are refusing the help of others because they do not want to share any of the proprietary technology that they have developed in creating the vaccine. They have a monopoly on their individual vaccines. And that monopoly is worth, wow, you can only imagine. And so we in America have been told that those of us who want to be vaccinated will in all likelihood be vaccinated by July. And the rest of the world, not so much. Not even the first vaccination at that point for some entire countries. And here again is the short-sightedness 
of the selfishness of what is this current reality. A virus, how many times do we have to repeat this? A virus does not know from border lines. A virus does not know about geography. A virus just knows it wants to get into as many people, hosts, as it can. And then it wants to do its thing. And it wants to replicate. And it wants to create variants. And if you have an entire continent like Africa that is essentially going to be a breeding ground for coronavirus because it won't be so happy here in the United States or in Europe where vaccinations, where there's just not as many wonderful opportunities, then they're going, the virus is going to Africa where it's going to go gangbusters and it's going to mutate and those variants could well, at some point, some variant is going to prove to be very resistant to these vaccines. And since we live in this interconnected world, we know what then happens. It comes back and it spreads. So it does not make any sense for rich countries to think that they can vaccinate their own people and wash their hands of this. <clears throat> it doesn't work that way. And it wasn't supposed to work that way. In the early days of the pandemic, a vaccine sharing, and this is before there was a vaccine, but the World Health Organization and others tried to create a structure for if the miracle of a vaccine should come, how would we ensure that exactly what has happened wouldn't, that just rich people would have access. And so this group called COVAX, I believe, is the um, is the anagram of it, and I'm sorry, I can't tell you what it stands for, but who cares? It was a global vaccine sharing initiative, and it was meant to prevent this unequal access, and it was going to do it <clears throat> by negotiating vaccine deals on behalf of all the nations who were part of the initiative. So countries would join, agree that this was the right way to do this. And then they would, in a group, negotiate. So it wasn't just the United States negotiating for its own. It'd be the United States and the UK and African nations all negotiating with these vaccine makers. Richer nations, they figured, would purchase 
their vaccines through COVAX, this group that was formed. And poorer nations would get uh, equitable supply for free. But guess what? <laughs> Human nature. Rich nations, including us, quickly, I mean, in the blink of an eye, undermine the entire program by racing to secure separate deals directly with the pharmaceutical companies and with, of course, the people of their nations cheering. And the reality is, is there are some countries, not us yet, that I've actually reserved enough doses of vaccine to immunize their own populations <laughs> over and over again. So much for sharing. So as usual, I look at humanity, there is this glory of the scientists who can create this vaccine when it should have taken five, six, seven, eight years, or maybe not at all. They could do it. There's the glory of that brilliance of the knowledge that humans have accumulated. And then there's just the primitive reality of the way we're wired, which is a kind of very selfish <laughs> survival. And then you get to, um, so who could get the vaccine that is available? Even if you're living in the wrong, I'm looking at a map. And it shows in blue the 43 countries, almost all of them very high-income countries, who will probably have their populations vaccinated within a year. We're one of them. Much of Europe, not all. One country in Africa. That looks like Morocco to me. And it looks like one country in South America. And that looks like uh, Chile. Meanwhile, that's 43 countries. There are 148 countries who've barely seen a dose. And some countries have absolutely zero. And so people in this country who are being vaccinated, who have next to no, you know, I mean, they're probably going to be okay. They're isolated, whatever. They get the vaccine, but somebody a world away in terrible, terrible jeopardy does not. They, 
the New York Times made a list of like who can get the vaccine where, and even within our own country, of course, this insanity continues of who, of where in line you stand. A 16 year old in Mississippi can get the vaccine. A <laughs> uh, 16 year old here, not if they're following the rules. A 70-year-old, get this, in Shanghai cannot get the vaccine. Nor a 90-year-old in South Korea, because some of these countries have not prioritized the old. I guess they figure they're old, who cares? But it's weird, because you think of Chinese culture and South Korean culture as venerating the old. So I'm a little confused about, uh, about that. There's not a soul in Haiti, as far as we know, who has the vaccine. Not a soul in Papua New Guinea. No one in, as I said, 67 countries in the world has had even a single dose. Who can get this precious thing? Any member of Congress? The extended family of the deputy health minister in Peru? <laughs> A smoker in Illinois, but not a smoker in Georgia. A pregnant woman in New York, but not a pregnant woman in Germany. A grocery worker in Oklahoma can get a vaccine, but next door in Texas, tough for that grocery worker. And on and on and on. I mean, you read this and your head starts to spin. And you know what? This is what happens when we're incapable of working together. That's what happens. It's law of the jungle. It's everyone for themselves. And of course, then, in that situation, the rich are going to prevail and the poor are going to go begging. So I find that depressing. You know, I read news a lot, so I find lots of things depressing. The New York Times was wondering whether or not this experience of the pandemic has changed us in different ways. I was talking to a friend the other day about how it has changed us. I, I would hope, I know this is ridiculous. I hope that we've learned important things like you don't need to be part of that rat race that we were all in you know that we've learned how to be a little more settled there's some good things about that 
I would hope we'd come out of this learning to be grateful, to hang on to the good stuff. But I don't know. We seem a pretty dense lot to me. So the Times asked some people, okay, so you went through this pandemic. Did it change you politically? That's what they were interested in. And lo and behold, yeah, of course. Now, what would you think? (laughs) You would think, well, I'll tell you. I was reading some of them and, you know, who knows what they didn't tell me what the real numbers were of who bothered to write in and say it. But the letters that they got were from a lot of former Democrats and former Republicans. So the people on both sides found themselves unhappy with the side they've been on and moved. So one woman wrote that I've been a Republican all my life, voted for Trump twice. And then she talks about how she became disillusioned. She would turn to Trump's press briefings, COVID briefings, and she said they didn't make any sense. And so she started watching Andrew Cuomo in a better time for Andrew Cuomo. Hey, by the way, speaking of that, could just all the women who he didn't harass raise their hands and we could sort of like stop the drip, 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 drip. I, you know, like, wow. If you were one of the women and you turned out to be the 15th who came out of the woodwork, would you even bother? I mean, at some point, would you say, why should I subject myself to this? Looks like he's got gotten. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, this woman starts watching Cuomo and says, my God, he comforted me. And I couldn't even listen to Trump anymore. He sounded like a moron. She voted for him twice. She didn't notice he was a moron. Well, anyway, the good news is she's so happy Biden's there. (laughs) And she'll probably be a Democrat now. And then there's this guy, this woman. She was a Democrat until Ronald Reagan. Oh, there's a signifier. So she uh, is a, so she's a Reagan Democrat, which means she's a Republican. And she says the pandemic has pushed her further to the right. Isn't that something? She says, despite the horrific numbers of reported deaths, I am skeptical, she says, of the actual numbers. I haven't known anyone who died. Boy, talk about somebody with a, with a really myopic view. If it didn't happen in her little orbit, it couldn't have happened. And on and on these letters go back and forth, back and forth. (sighs) 
I want to deal with immigration, but I don't want to do it today. This is one of those subjects that it's hard for me to feel any hope because I just don't see a solution. Uh, as a country, it's clear that we don't quite have one, uh, either party. We don't know what to do. There are so many people, desperate people. And who can blame them for thinking once Trump is gone that they got a better shot? But on the other hand, can we? You can't just throw open the doors. Or half of Central America would be here. How do you do this? I think as a country, we don't want to do it like Trump did it. It appalled us. The cruelty shamed us. But I don't know what you do. I feel the same kind of helplessness looking at the suffering and looking at those in power, look so powerless and so befuddled. And I, I think of the way I feel about Israel and Palestine, same thing. I don't see an end. I don't see a way out. So I, I back away a lot. I'll try to take it up later when I'm not quite as, as despairing, okay? Uh, Beth writes, Lynn, count yourself as very lucky. We've been trying for months to get my parents vaccinated in Pennsylvania. Wow. Both mid to late 70s and health conditions. I have them on every list we could get them on and nothing. I've called their specialists and they say, there's nothing we can do about this. Go on the state site. I want them to lie and say they are West Virginia residents so they can get vaccinated here, but they have refused saying they will wait their turn because they're good people. God bless them. This is insane, right? This is insane. I know a lot of people who are younger than 70 who've been fully vaccinated. Yeah. And it's not like you. I mean, they've got a tech-savvy daughter who's, you know, checking all the lists and now and then the state just changed things again and there aren't as many um they've taken the virus uh, the vaccine away from some of the drug stores that were giving them out and they've taken them away from some of clinics and they've gone for bigger venues um and it just seems like i have to say 
I have not been particularly impressed. I don't know if anyone in any state has. I have not been particularly impressed with the Wolf administration in this, in the vaccine rollout. I just have not. And I understand the logistics are a nightmare. And if you look around, everybody is struggling, but good God. So, you know, I was anxious this weekend thinking about all of this, and I I admit it. I sought refuge in some marijuana. Yeah, I smoked a little bit. It brightens my my perceptions. Seriously, it just does. I feel lighter, I'm happier, I'm more engaged. A beautiful flower is even more beautiful. The sun on my skin, which felt so wonderful, feels even more wonderful. And so I did that. I've done it for over 50 years. And I'm reading Pittsburgh City Paper. And I find out that Pennsylvania has made more marijuana arrests. These are possession arrests in the tens of thousands than they did the year before. Pennsylvania arrested more than 20,000 people for possession of marijuana. This, when so many states are saying, marijuana, big deal, come on. You got the state in the business of selling and distributing a much more potent mind-bending substance called alcohol. But when it comes to the more benign plant-based substance of marijuana, oh, hell. So they're still destroying tens of thousands of people's lives. You know what I thought as I read it? I got so furious. Ruined my high. Total bummer. I thought, you know what? I should go down and turn myself in. I should walk right over to the cops. Give them what's left of this joint and say, I'm turning myself in. It's a protest. I want you to arrest me. Because I've been doing this for 50 years. How many black people have you arrested during those 50 years for this thing that I got away with all the time? If I were younger and a little more, I don't know, into theater, I would do it. I would do it.
It just sickens me. And it's more of, believe me, you want to know what white privilege looks like? Come over to my house and we'll smoke a joint. We'll smoke it out on my front porch and never have a moment of concern. I may or may not have a caller. If I do, hello? Lynn? Yes? Yes, hi. Away from the marijuana subject, I want you to know I'm waiting for a ride to get my vaccine right now. Ooh! Finally. And you you can imagine what I've gone through. And and then finally, one day, I got two two reservations from from all the everybody that I'd been yeah. in contact with. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. I ended up with two too. And I had to, you know, immediately cancel the one because you want to and that is what people are doing. And so that sort of mucks up the work. It, it sure does because yeah. it's it's as hard to cancel it as oh. it is to get it in the first place. Oh, wow. Mine wasn't, but I, well, I was easily canceled with the county health department. Oh, so where, oh. You get it, where are you getting it? Well, I'm getting it up at UPMC Hospital in Monroeville. That's oh, where I'm getting the shot. They're finally, finally doing the right thing. Good. Yeah, yeah. But it's well, taken so long. It has taken every every day you sit here and... Dial numbers. Isn't it awful? I know. <laughs> it's, and it's so anxiety producing. And it, it and some of us who don't have a, a lot of ability to handle frustration, I'm talking about me. I mean, just <laughs> just can't do it. I mean, I would start like throwing things at the wall. I just can't <laughs> do it. Well so I did I I did uh text Governor Wolf and told him that if he were running for election, I wouldn't vote for him this year. And I've been a strong supporter of everything that he's been doing. Yeah. But this, I just think he's dropped the ball and uh, something has gone wrong someplace in Pennsylvania yes. that we shouldn't yeah. be in this situation. No, I agree with you totally. So I'm happy for you, and you know it's wonderful. And, and yes. you'll you'll feel yourself. I mean, you'll, it'll just well, you know, you're already excited. I can hear. Yes. Oh, it's yes. Great. Really, to get to to have see some friends again. That's the big yes. thing. It's yes. been terrible this past year not being able to meet your friends and even I have not seen one granddaughter that I have because she in a whole year because she doesn't want to contact with anybody. Sure, sure. And I I don't blame her. But uh it, it's, it's I haven't been, seen my own mom. You know, I haven't my mother hasn't seen her child. That's a me. Oh, no, wow. I, you know, that's for yeah. over a year now. It's been yeah. over a year. I last saw her early March of last year. That was the last time I saw her. That's, that's about what it was been, uh, yeah, last yeah, March. Be since I've, right, be that's it. when we we all had to go underground. And <laughs> <laughs> we all burrowed 
into the ground. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so thrilled for you sharing uh, this good news. Oh, and may okay. others be able to have their shots soon. Thank soon. I, I hope so. Yeah, you take yeah. care, Lynn. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Oh, God. I, uh, let's see. Dave writes, I'm 62 and larger than the average bear, so I'm sort of quite... Well, that's true. I know a young woman who got it. I mean, young. In her 20s. Because her BMI... In other words, she's overweight. And that'll do it. Hey, you guys, if you're overweight, that's a pre-existing condition. But a lot of, may I just say, a lot of uh, hefty, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not obese, but I know I'm overweight. Everybody, I, almost everyone I know is overweight. You know, it sort of strikes me as weird that if you're overweight and if you're a smoker, in other words, two, two things that, you know, you could possibly do something about but it shows you're not quite <laughs> you get rewarded in Pennsylvania you can go to the front of the line I don't know about smoking here do that smokers I don't know see you don't know it's just insanity anyway back to the bear here uh 62 larger than the average bear so I'm sort of qualified right now I'm signed up with a VA and local hospital network but nothing so far no call from them. I finally got my first one, though, because one of the women who works at my bar does this. Your bar? You mean the one you hang in? Uh, the one of the women who works at, or you own, works at my bar does the scheduling for a group down here, and she snuck me in. So, yeah, it's who you know. But not necessarily higher-ups. If you know a grunt who's scheduling the shots, I know that's true. Word of mouth, hey, this pharmacy has has some, uh, and they have back, you know, they've got appointments, but at the end of the day, uh, they may have surplus. So if you go, you know, it's all this, and if you want, you can just scramble, you know, scramble online, scramble place to place. I I don't know. Insane. Insane. Jeez. What we got here? I got so many stuff. Hey, uh, the Asian stuff. Yeah. Did you know? I just want to say that I'm not in any way discounting the targeting of Asian women in this attack. But I think underplayed is his, the shooters, Southern Baptist, evangelical roots, that were apparently the center of his life and which made him think that his, I'm going to assume, uh, made him think that his normal, lustful feelings 
were such a damning sin that he became obsessed with stopping them. And I didn't read, I mean, this is something that afflicts a lot of people. So I would like, I know there's always a lot when we, the finger pointing starts. I would like a lot of religious groups because it's not just evangelicals. It's a lot of, I mean, it's Protestants, it's Catholics, God knows. It's, uh, I'm sure, Orthodox Jews. Um, the other Jews, not so much. Uh, that demonize this basic human need and function and makes us crazy. I find that a very compelling story. I really do. And I I think I'll wait tomorrow till Susan pops up to uh maybe talk more about about that. I'm saving immigration and Asian racism because it's so real and they've seemingly been so quiet. <laughs> but uh, this is another group that ain't white in America that is now speaking out about what it's like not to be white Christians and heterosexuals in this country. And it is not a walk in the park. So I'm glad that that awakening has come. And there's a a fascinating story, again, I think we'll get into it tomorrow, um, about how it's harder in some ways for uh, the Asian American uh, community, which, by the way, is the fastest growing demographic in America. Asian Americans now represent, I think, they saw us, is it six or eight percent of the population, which is sure as hell a lot more than Jews. So they way surpassed my little group. But the thing about them is they are either at the highest strata, they're making tons of money as an ethnic group and as a uh, racial group, they have the highest median incomes in the country, more than whites, more than blacks, more than anybody else. But on the other hand, they're either way up there or they're living in total poverty. And those two groups of Asian Americans don't necessarily like pal around together, which would always be true, right? Because status and class and education often trump skin color and or ethnicity. And then again, you think of it, Asians, they come from how many different countries? We're talking about uh, just tons of countries. 
different languages, different cultures. And they're supposed to like, feel like they're all in this together. But after 9-11, man, Sikhs found out that Americans couldn't tell the difference between someone like them and Mohammed Atta. The vulnerability is there whether you're a CEO of some Silicon Valley behemoth or you're some poor woman working in a massage parlor or doing nails, right? The racist on the street can't tell the difference. So that is uh, something that, you know, Kurt, I heard this. Kurt said, frustrating as the vaccine situation is, the state's doing okay. It's second best vaccination rate in per capita in the country. Uh, uh, you know, I saw that, that claim and Forgive me for saying fake news. <laughs> I find that very hard to believe. And since no, I really do. I did see that. And I, I find it hard to believe. But who could be? Who it could be? I don't know. And then Kurt says, says, on pot privilege and drugs in general, I've always said black kids go to jail, white kids go to rehab. Yeah, yeah. Sickening. Bob says, I wasn't aware there was a mask protest this weekend at Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, yeah, there were some really, yeah. There, there was about, what, 150 uh people demanding their freedom walking maskless with american flags downtown and i believe yes wendy bell was one of the main speakers of course of course yeah yeah that's one of those things you don't even want to know Henry, this is another thing I've been hearing about. Henry says, I have two friends in their 50s who got their Johnson & Johnson shots in Ohio. And I have heard from more than one person that Ohio welcomes Pennsylvanians. I have heard that too. Ohio's only restrictions, I'm told, is that you have to be 50 or older. Henry says, I'm 61 and overweight, and I was able to get my shot. I'm taking that in here in Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah. And my second shot... Uh, was on Friday. They do not weigh you or ask for an obesity diagnosis. It's on the honor system. Well, they can also look. <laughs> I mean, do you look svelte or do you look like you're packing on a few pounds? I mean, I always look at that since COVID. My God, I've, I've easily gained, I think, about 15 pounds. I keep meaning to take it off and 
I maybe take one or two off and then I boomerang and start heading in the other direction again. Well, I'm glad for you, Henry. I just, you know, I said at the beginning when people started saying, I got my shot, I got my shot. I, I started saying, maybe you should just be quiet about that <laughs> because again, it's such a minority still of people. And the vast majority of people are anxious and waiting and stuck in this craziness um, of a system that just doesn't really work. It's everyone for themselves. You know, there should be one place. This is why if you had public health, you would have a system. You wouldn't have to be making calls. The the federal government would say, okay, and now we're doing blah, blah, blah. That's the way it would work. They would get in touch with you. There wouldn't be a way for you to be go- losing your mind. Uh, CBS has them. Giant Eagle has them. Ohio can get West Virginia, perhaps. I don't know. I heard there was this drug store over on, uh, you know, in, in Beltsuver. I, I, and, and did you hear that? Yeah. You'll be able to, I, how the hell is anybody? supposed to navigate that. I read a a story that I thought was <laughs> I loved it cuz it it's so unlikely. It's about a woman Talk about an old fart. She makes me feel young. She's um, she's 89 now. And uh, she lives um, in northern India. And um, she's become a feminist icon of sorts. And she is the most unlikely person <laughs> to... I mean, I'm looking at a picture of her, and she's got, you know, a head covering on. She's got a long, long skirt. She looks like the grandmother she is, great-grandmother she is. She came of age, grew up, and still lives in a rural area. But what happened is she wants with a granddaughter went to check out this shooting range. (laughs) It was 1999. She went to check out a shooting range. The guns were all air pistols. But the guys who founded the shooting range believed that maybe this would be a good thing for the young children of the area, a sport that could help, you know, give them something to do. And so he said he would, to get the word out, he said he's holding a contest. People can come. And they were going to give away 50 air guns as prizes. And so kids said to the, I, oh, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And she took her granddaughter. 
to the range. When they got there, whoops, they saw that uh, everybody else was a uh, male. And Shafali, the girl, the granddaughter who was 12, uh, felt very nervous. And she said, look, she said to her granddaughter, look, don't be nervous. Just watch me. And she picks up one of the guns and fires bullseye. That was the first time she had ever picked up a gun. The guy who's running the thing says, hey, wow, look, this old lady just got a bullseye. And all the guys were looking over with some, you know, whatever men feel when old women beat them. And he figured it was a fluke. So he said, shoot that again. And she did. And yep, bullseye. And that was the beginning. She ended up, of course, um, winning one of the guns. Uh, she was scared out of her mind if her family found out that she had fired a gun. She continued to pretend she was a chaperone of her granddaughter, and they continued to go. And man, she got better and better. And better. This is a woman who grew up in a rural patriarchal culture in which women had nothing. She never went to school because girls didn't. She was married off at 15. She spent the next 50 years raising her family, raising grandchildren. And she said the farthest I ever went was out to the fields to give the men their lunch. So these, what became weekly visits, these clandestine visits to the shooting range was the first time in her life that she was doing something. First of all, taboo, and then totally, really, for herself. She felt such excitement every time she picked up one of those guns. She confided in her sister-in-law, who joined her and the granddaughter, and the three of them just became addicted. The guy who founded this shooting range, decided to create a, a team from the village. And there was a championship being held in Punjab state, which was about 130 miles away. And several of the children were selected, including the granddaughter. And The old lady, by the way, her name is Chandro Tomar. 
she went along as a chaperone the first time in her life she had been, ever been outside her state. I mean, she this was 130 miles away, unbelievable. And again, unknown to the rest of her family, she participated in the veteran category. <laughs> the only woman. And it freaked her out because these weren't air guns. She was given a real firearm. I wish I could tell you she won the gold medal. She won the silver medal. And when they got home, she knew she was going to be in trouble because a local newspaper published an article with their photographs. Her granddaughter had won. She had won. And she says, my husband, his brothers were very angry. And they forbade her to go anymore to the range. She said, I listened to them quietly. But I decided I'm going to keep going. So, so this old, old woman, who's then, what? She's in her 70s at that point. This woman who had only known this sort of repressive patriarchy in which she had no say, no agency, no ability to live her own life, a conservative community, that's all she knew, where women covered their heads and even their faces when speaking to men. They avoid, you're taught to avoid contact, eye contact with any men. You know what she did? She started going door to door in her village to encourage families to let their daughters learn this wonderful skill. And so she ends up creating this huge group of young women also in this patriarchal culture. And the men were flummoxed, especially because this team of girls started winning. And the jeers that had initially greeted them turned to cheers, admiration. In fact, this little town has now produced almost 30 national level shooters. And Chandro Tomar, age 89. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of her medals. It's like if you were looking at Michael Phelps' uh, bedroom. I mean, it is that many. Chandro Tomar, isn't that something? 
she's known all over the country now. She's celebrated. She does speaking engagement. <laughs> and her family is now building a shooting range for underprivileged children. So they will have more access to the sport. She's almost 90 years old. She doesn't wear glasses. And she touched her toes so the reporter could see how flexible she is. And she says, it's important to stay active. Your body might grow old. But keep your mind sharp. This from the sharp shooter. Anyway, so that story lifted my spirits. I hope it lifted yours. And I see we're out of time. So we'll talk tomorrow. I know I've already said we got two heavy duty subjects on the on tap, but uh Things can change, so who knows? Have a wonderful joy day. Enjoy, 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 enjoy this awesome and warmth and spring. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.